this afternoon. I'm just going to have some fun, <laughs> okay? And I'm not going to be teaching you anything deep from the Word. So there you go. There's the door. But if you do want to stick with me, you're welcome, because in all seriousness, kind of, not really, but we can talk about all of this spiritual application and spirituality, but let's be real, okay? How many of us, when we leave the camp and we get back onto the internet, you're going to start looking at the bloody news again? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and I know I'm not the only one, you're going to get all of those apocalyptic feelings coming back to you, right? And change is coming. The world is waking up. All of that apocalyptic anxiety. So I thought I'd have a little bit of a chat with you today about the apocalypse because I have been preparing a long time now for our studies in the book of Revelation. As if I'm not apocalyptic enough, now you want me meditating on the book of Revelation. You asked for it, so you're going to get it. All right. But of course, I can't do anything without throwing in some scriptures because that's just the way we're all wired. But oftentimes, if we get too fearful, we can actually move out of that spiritual alertness. Because fear, unless it's the fear of Yahuwah, fear in apocalyptic anxiety will bring you straight back down into the soulish natural realm, won't it? You can be having a spiritual experience with Yahuwah through the Word, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I finished my devotionals this morning, let me read the news. And then all of a sudden you're like, woomph, right back down again. Look at some scriptures. Genesis chapter 41, verse 8. I'll rattle a few off here for you. His ruach, his spirit was troubled. And that's what happens. When you start thinking about the future, the apocalypse, oftentimes your spirit comes all the way back down and subdued into that soulish, natural realm. Your spirit becomes troubled. Judges chapter 8, verse 3. Then their spirit was appeased toward him. You know, I said the other day, don't diminish your spiritual self to accommodate somebody else's lack of faith. How many times do you diminish your spiritual power because you don't want to upset somebody who's not as spiritually or as devout or as serious in your faith as you are? Oh, you're always in the Bible. Why do you always read the Bible? I get that all the time. Not from you guys, but from people with a diminished sense of spirit. Proverbs 14, verse 29. He that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Meaning, don't get hyper-spiritual because it will just lead you into folly. Let your spirituality be grounded and founded in the Word. 
Because hyper-spirituality, the Proverbs say, leads to folly. Isaiah 29, verse 24, those who err in spirit, because they're not grounded in the word. Isaiah 65, verse 14, and shall wait for anguish of spirit. So oftentimes, too much thought about the apocalypse can bring you down and give you anguish of spirit. Daniel chapter 5, verse 20, and his spirit was hardened. And that's the reality. Too much of the world, too much bad news can end up kicking you and me into the natural realm and it limits the spirit. It limits the spirit. But I want to be aware of what's going on in the world. So there is a balance, isn't there? And that's the balance, to be in the world but not of the world. Jude verse 19, it is written, These be they who separate themselves, natural having not the spirit. So too much news, too much concentration on the apocalypse in the natural realm will actually dull your spiritual man. Because the natural man has not the spirit. Because it's become so darkened and impotent that it can no longer hold communion with Yahweh. And oftentimes, you can get mistaken thinking you're communing with Yahweh, but in reality, Yahweh being active in your mind and body is not the same as being illuminated by the Spirit. Let me repeat that. Yahweh being active in your mind and body is not the same as being illuminated in your spirit. So oftentimes people think that they are spiritually following Yahuwah, spiritually ignited beings, just because they're thinking in their mind about Yahuwah. That's not how it works. The natural man can do that. The natural man can do that. Most believers do, in fact, have an active mind. And when we start thinking about the apocalypse, that active mind can really go into overload. For me especially, none of you, right? Apart from this fellow, these guys right up front here. (laughs) But we need to reach for that illuminated spirit to be able to commune with Yahuwah. Because once the soul becomes a slave to the body, then the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, finds it useless to strive for a place in that backslidden state. Galatians 6.3 My Ruach, my spirit, shall not always plead with man, for he is indeed carnal. So the spirit is not going to try and find ascendancy if you are so locked into apocalyptic thought that you're in your natural base man all the time. You think just because you're thinking about the apocalypse that you're thinking of spiritual things. Not necessarily so. I think we may have all fallen into that trap. But the unregenerate man is governed completely by the flesh 
But sometimes when we get too apocalyptic, we can vacillate between the two. In Jude verse 18, it says, How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. And then that bothers me because I start talking about the apocalypse and people start mocking me. But they're into another form of apocalyptic culture, the world. You see, you think, oh, just because we read the book of Revelation, we're the only apocalypse people. But actually the world, I say that they're actually more apocalyptic than us. You see, our apocalyptic fantasies are rooted in the visions of John. They're rooted in the writings of the prophets, but the world, their apocalyptic fantasies are coming from somewhere else. And it's a political persuasion that is finding much traction today. Because now we find that we're having actually more in common with the worldly folk. And what is the commonality that we're finding? Oh yes, we've turned the pages of the prophets. We've turned the pages of John the Revelator. But then we come to work and then we find that we're in communion with the world because we're all sure that doomsday's coming. I'm not just talking about believers. I'm talking everyone, even the unbeliever, is living in expectation of judgment day. You see, when my wife and I, when we woke up to the reality of Torah and to the biblical illiteracy that was being peddled at Calvary Chapel, there was going to be this magic carpet ride and we were all going to escape with the rapture. When we finally woke up to the reality of that isn't going to happen, I loaded up my truck with beans, rice, ammunition, tents, backpacks, maps, everything I could possibly have. My wife was pregnant with our firstborn Moshe, so I had to be ready. I mean, I've got so much diesel in my barn, I just don't know what to do. Oh, Paul, would you? Yes, in the back. I mean, it might be stale by now, but I woke up to the reality that the rapture, the pre-tribulation rapture was a fantasy, and I headed off to the stockpiling regime because I woke up and I thought, oh my goodness, I've been asleep all this time. How many of you finally pulled your head out of the sand and did the same, same thing? And with it came a certain amount of paranoia I'm just telling you, <laughs> a certain amount of worry, a lot of hoarding was going on around my house, all kinds of zealot apocalyptic behavior. Joel chapter 2 verse 1, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Oh yes, I was blowing trumpets all right. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of Yahweh cometh, for it is nigh at hand. And then our firstborn was born and we named him Moshe. And he grew up. And a couple of years later, we get to the Feast of Trumpets. He's about two or three years old and I'm blowing the shofar out in the pasture. And he's looking up to the sky. Because he really was anticipating Yahushua returning. 
which is a great thing to anticipate. It surely is. But now he's tempered it and realized that, yes, his papa is somewhat apocalyptic. <laughs> and a little more balanced he is than I. Yes, I'm armed to the teeth. Yes, <laughs> I have two German shepherds. I've constructed gates. I've got cameras. I've got spy equipment. When Obama came in, I got an AR-15. And then when he came in again, I thought, I better get another one. And then I thought, well, you know, they'll go for the ammo. I need thousands and thousands and thousands of rounds. So yes, but I'm not speaking to the choir. I know some of you have done even more than I. And all this rush headlong to the apocalypse, apocalyptic preparation, because I spent years, like you, sitting in a pew, and I bought into the fallacy that I would just be raptured out of Judgment Day, and the words of Revelation didn't matter to me. Why did I need to read all that? I'm going to be out of here from chapter 3 onwards. And then it sat heavy with me. Oh, oh. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Apocalyptic preparation and paranoia set upon me as the words of revelation now set heavy upon me. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains of the mighty men Revelation 6.15. And every bondman and every free man, they hid themselves in dens. Well, I better build myself a den. And in the rocks of the mountains, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face. The face of what? Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? And all of a sudden, I'm thrust into this whole new reality in my mind, thinking that it was spirituality. But in reality, it was not. It was very much the natural man. But now, all these years later, I've come to a security in my faith, and I'm secure that whatever happens, Yahushua is going to walk with me through the fire. He's going to walk through me, well, maybe through me. <laughs> but he's going to walk with us through the fire. And that is my security. But there is such a thing, though, as apocalypse anxiety. And I don't want you guys to get it. I don't want you to catch it from me. And like I said, I'm kind of preempting you because we're going to go into the book of Revelation. <laughs> so we have to be a little aware. So I thought I'd have this chat this afternoon. Because in reality, we can become so hardened that we have to be balanced. Yes, I don't want you to get apocalyptic anxiety, but I don't want you to become so hardened by the endless, disastrous predictions that fail to appear that we then no longer pay attention. Right? So there is a balance. 
I mean, just look at what we've experienced in the past few years in the Messianic or Hebrew Roots movement or any movement that doesn't believe in the fallacy of the pre-tribulation rapture. I mean, even John Cusack fell for making a film 2012, right? And was it Yo not Yosemite? What's the other park? Yellowstone, right? Anybody see that movie, right? 2012, well, it was rooted in some kind of basic fact. And what was that fact? Well, it was supposed to be the end of a 5,126-year-long Mayan circle. And it turned out to be absolutely nothing. But people were serious. Oh, no, no, no. This is the end of the Mayan cycle. It's been 5,126 years. Even Hollywood bought into it. And even the Trump hater, John Cusack, bought into making the movie. And you know what? It came and it passed. I mean, I can't count how many failed blood moon predictions we've had from the likes of Jonathan Kahn and then who's that guy up in Tacoma? Mark Biltz. He thought, oh, there's money to be made if I get on this bandwagon. He didn't used to be that. These are Zionist shills that are just literally on the bandwagon of apocalyptic cash-in. How many blood moons have failed? So again, what do you do? What do you do? Switch off? Joel chapter 2 verse 31. There's a blood moon coming. The sun shall be darkened into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of Yahweh come. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of Yahweh shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as hath said Yahweh, and in the remnant whom Yahweh shall call. And that's just in recent times. Those of you that were around in the 80s, what was it? The late great planet Earth. And then Arnold came out with Terminator and all of a sudden we got all apocalyptic about AI and being taken over by machines. Where here we are so many years later, 30 odd, and it is becoming more of a reality with people with Alexa and Siri and all of these spy cams that actually end up spying on your very, very self. Most people thought the world would end by 1990 with taking over by AI and an apocalyptic catastrophe. But now here we are, we fast forward 30 years later and the world is surely set for doomsday. It's going to come and the world has embraced it. But not through the prophets and not through revelation. Oh no, the world is coming. It's apocalypse anxiety and the millennials are keyed into it. And it's climate change. It's climate change. The ice caps are going to melt. The seas are raising. This going to swallow civilization. We've only got 12 years. <laughs> and if that doesn't happen, well, then you know what? We're going to have a malware computer virus that will wipe us all off the planet as long as we manage to survive the inevitable nuclear war 
the alien invasion. Well, no, I mean the Islamic invasion. No, I'm sorry, it's Planet X. No, no, it's not. It's the global Ebola that is crossing our southern border. It's everywhere, and you don't have to be a believer to get apocalypse anxiety anymore. In fact, believers are more equipped to not get anxiety because we have a hope and a future that he'll walk with us through the fire. But now I'm seeing these millennials and they have no hope. They have no future because the politicians are pumping them full of so much conspiracy and apocalyptic anxiety that they don't know what to do. And of course, there's nothing new under the sun. Men were predicting the end and all things would come to a close way back when John penned the apocalyptic book of Revelation. And with information overload at our fingertips, we're sure as heck doomed to destruction. Human, human civilization is going to end. It's the dawning of the day, and the day of the Lord is nigh. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Haggai says this, and we can read it and be rooted in Scripture. But the world has gone off onto climate apocalyptic anxiety. According to the word that I covenanted with you, Haggai 2.5, when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit will remain with you. So regardless of how bad it gets, when you're with Yahuwah, his Ruach, his spirit will remain with you through the fire. For thus saith Yahuwah Savot, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, I will shake the earth. The sea I will shake, the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And we get oil that's spilling into the ocean a few years ago, and they're like, it's the, the, the ocean is bleeding, it's the, it's the judgment of revelation. And then it comes and it passes, and then the next thing, they're attacking our plastic straws. And now I have to pay five cents for a plastic bag. And I go, this is insanity. The plastic in the oceans, it's been documented, credentialed, comes from nine rivers. Seven of them are in Asia and two of them are in Africa. What's this got to do with me in Oregon? I want a plastic straw and I want a plastic bag. Go deal with the Asians and the Africans. That's not very nice. That sounds racist to me. No, I'm talking plastic and rivers and oceans. But oh no, facts matter not with apocalyptic anxiety. But it's no longer you and I that have the apocalyptic anxiety. It's the world all around us. It's in the news all the time. I find it funny. <laughs> because I'm no longer as anxious as I once was. I'm laughing at them that are anxious without hope, thinking that their salvation is going to come in a paper straw. That's it. Fools. Fools. The expression, the day of the Lord, as it says in the King Jimmy, is an inclusive term 
which can encompass the entire period that will end this age and inaugurate the age to come. It's a day of judgment for the wicked environmentalists. But I've come to realize it's a day of redemption for me and you. Because I'm not looking for a paper straw to save me and a canvas bag to put over my head. <laughs> Psalm 37, fret not thyself because of climate changes. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity with their paper straws and canvas bags. For they soon shall be cut down like the grass and weather as the green herb. And you and I will have front row seats. So I'm glad that I no longer have apocalyptic anxiety. And I'm glad that the world has caught it from me and from you and from the revelator, John. But the word apocalypse, it didn't always mean end of the world. It's just the Greek for a revelation. <laughs> and it was used to describe the visions of biblical doomsday and prophets like John and Haggai. But today it means total destruction for humanity, planet Earth or the entire universe. Or the universe, planet. Although our modern secular society has a very different vision of how things will end up to us and our Bible-based predictions, especially with Trump derangement syndrome that's on the rise all around, because the wicked know, Job says in the 20th chapter and the 5th verse, that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite for but a moment. Job 21, verse 30. The wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. They shall be brought forth to a day of wrath. You see, they're busy trying to remove religion and faith from society. They're trying to remove it because they don't want to be reminded that judgment day is coming because judgment day is coming. And when believers remind them that it's coming, they don't have salvation but through their politics and policies. And that is truly frightening. And I see that with the young millennial generation. No hope but canvas bags, policies and politics and paper straws. You see, their world of modern secular society it is ripe. It is ripe with a whole new set of somewhat plausible sounding doomsday scenarios to worry about. Things that you and I don't give a rip about. But to them, they're very plausible and very concerning. Concerning indeed more than you and I have ever had to worry about through the writings of the scripture. They're fearful about the end of the world. They're fearful about a diverse range of ways more than ever before. This, this is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean 
You come to us young people with your problems, looking for hope. How dare you? You stole my dreams. You stole my childhood with your empty words. It's mass extinction! This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. You all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood, with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you pretend? Mass extinction! I mean, the last time we had a poster child like that. It was Adolf Hitler parading young kids around. Now the Democrats are doing it before the UN. Desperate tyrants, right? Of course, that was my impersonation of Greta Thunberg. I mean, but that's the Swedes, right? That's the Swedes. And the Church of Sweden actually came out with a statement that she was the successor of Jesus. That w that's the official statement of the Church of Sweden. Of course, you know, in Sweden there's so many no-go zones because of the Islamists. But this is what we've got. A young girl telling us the science or non-science of, it's not even called global warming anymore because that's been disproved scientifically. So it's just climate change. We're all in agreement. It was sunny this morning and now it's raining. The climate changes. I mean, what's the issue? I, I totally agree with climate change. I'm looking forward to ski season. But the climate better change, otherwise I'm not gonna be able to ski. We have a 100% consensus on climate change. So what's the issue? There is no issue. I told you I've got nothing to teach but lunacy this afternoon. Absolute lunacy. But the psalmist tells us, the wicked in his pride doth go and persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. And you know what? All this climate change, all of the policies, who's it going to really affect? We just read it. The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. You start shutting down coal mines. You start 
ending up affecting the poor. These rich politicians, they're starting to want to put a tax on meat and things like that. That's not going to affect the wealthy. It's going to affect the poor. So again, it's hypocrisy. Ecclesiastes 8.13, it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are a shadow. Isaiah says in the third chapter in the 11th verse, Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given to him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my Elohim, to the wicked. They have got a serious case of apocalypse anxiety. Twelve years to go and the world will end. Twelve years to go is what they peddle. And then, of course, they backtrack because they realize the lunacy, the lunacy of it all. But this new generation with their alternate reality lifestyle having an orientation directed towards self-preservation and selfishness like nothing before, like no other. Yet, they know that they are fragile. They know that they are mortal, only temporarily occupying this world. And they haven't been given any tools to navigate it. They've got no faith. They've got no hope. They certainly have no charity. They cannot navigate their scary, atheistic, apocalyptic world. And now they're the ones that are thrust into the apocalypse and they've got no tools on how to handle it. That's the world we live in. So, yes, when I had apocalyptic anxiety, it was based upon revelatory fact, not fiction. It was peddled by the prophets and rooted in sound doctrine. Yes, maybe our timing was a little off with those blood moons. Thank you, Mark Biltz, and all of the other Zionist shills out there trying to make a buck. But anyway, what do they do nowadays with nothing to help them through except paper straws and canvas bags? They're not even going to make it into the wilderness because their shoes won't hold up that far. <laughs> Psalm 92, verse 7. When the wicked spring as the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. How on earth are the millennials going to manage to avoid annihilation in the coming decades? They've fallen for global warning and believe that the planet's oceans will be boiled off when the sun expands and becomes a big giant red thing that's stalking them in the very night. Worse than any Nephilim or Raphaim than we could imagine. They've got the sun that's stalking them. And we can talk about Yahweh and anthropomorphize it through the Bible but they've anthropomorphized the earth. It's now a mother. It's Mother Earth. And she's going to judge us because we have treated her so badly. You see? It's anthropomorphism 
with no biblical reality, but they're stealing and thieving liars. But they have put an apocalypse on a generation with no hope of which to survive. They've done it to themselves. And believers will stand back and laugh at their folly. I get to do it all the time. <laughs> the university brainwashed pseudo-scientific doom mongers who warn the apocalyptic potential of climate change being an existential threat. Recently, AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claimed, without any evidence, of course, quote, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is, your biggest issue is, how are we going to pay for it? And like, and like this, this is a war, this is our World War II. That's what she said. That's what she said. So she, she, she tramples on the graves of all the people that died and fought through World War II in the name of climate change. And nobody calls it out. She calls it a holocaust, what's going on on the southern border. A holocaust. As they're playing foosball and table tennis and showers and water fountains. And nobody says a thing. Global warming. Of course, it's not even called that anymore. It's climate change. Because the 97% consensus statistics, excuse me, the 97% consensus statistics that they had for global warming were exposed as a total and utter farce and were in reality 0.3%. They peddled it as 97% consensus, but it was 0.3% consensus and it was exposed by Lord Moncton and the Heartland Institute. So of course now it has to be rebranded as climate change, which we are all 100% in consensus that climate changes. You see? I mean, it's absolute bananas when you look at it. Apocalyptic anxiety. I get to see it all the time now with the young millennial generation. And they call it an environmental apocalypse. And these ideas all revolve around Mother Earth, anthropomorphizing Mother Earth, believing the planet is so angry at our destructive ways that she's going to punish us for causing great harm to her. And they really believe that in these college campuses. What have they done? Well, it tells us in the book of Romans, in the 25th verse of the first chapter, they changed the truth of Yahweh into an outright lie. And they worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. So, apocalypticism isn't limited to readers of the book of Revelation, I've discovered. It is now something that is part of our culture. We're seeing it manifested throughout all society. Fatalism on the secular left. Because unlike us, they have no answers and they have no hope. 
They don't. No answers and no hope to their apocalyptic anxiety. And what's at play in the minds of these apocalyptic, obsessed mankind, which makes them predisposed to worry all day long? Worry all day long. And people get triggered by plastic straws and plastic bags. They really do. Depending on where you go to shop. And depending on what West Coast city you're in. The new cycle of the world seeks to seize and control mankind. And the problem is, our youth have become so worldly and hopeless, they don't know what to do. Apocalyptic fears, apocalyptic fantasies, whether explicitly religious or supposedly secular, are at least partially rooted in existential concerns about the meaning of life. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Well, it's to save the planet. And off they go, importing people from Sweden, little children, to go and talk at the UN. And you're like, what? Has a 13-year-old girl from Sweden, how did she get to address the UN? It shows you what a farce the UN truly is. Jeremiah 4, verse 23 Beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the, fate, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities, therefore, were broken down at the presence of Yahweh and by his fierce anger. For thus hath Yahweh said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. For this shall be the earth the morn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it, I have purposed it, and will not repent, neither will I turn from it. Millennial apocalyptic visions offer a path to salvation through paper straws, canvas bags, but it's getting worse. It's AI and virtual reality. That's their hope of escaping through an alternate reality system. Looking for a reboot, right? Let's just reboot the whole system. Not only this planet, but a reboot of their personal selves. A do-over. We need a whole new start. We're going to have to reboot. And that is their apocalyptic fatalism. We're living in a golden age, and it's only going to get worse of apocalyptic anxiety because it's no longer limited to biblical believers, but it's the world that's gone to apocalyptic anxiety, with more failed predictions and forecasts than ever before. It's no longer limited to the faithful. It's no longer limited to us. 1 Peter 5 verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of Yahuwah, so that at the proper time He will exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him. 
because he does actually care for you. So I've cast my anxieties on him, and I no longer have apocalyptic anxiety. But I do laugh at the world to see how anxious it is becoming more and more every single day. And that's why, as believers, we enjoy getting into the good word of the Bible in us. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Too much news can weigh you down. But good word, the good word, makes him glad. So we need to spend our time in the good word, not in the words of the news cycle. Leave that to the heathen, because that's where their apocalypse is coming from. Almost every denomination right now is busy prophesying. Most mainline evangelicals still believe the rapture is imminent and they're preparing to join Jesus in heaven at any moment. But it's even not limited to Christianity. Islam believes that they're destined to fight a battle in the Syrian town of Dabiq because that was prophesied by Muhammad, who is quoted in the Hadith as saying, the last hour will come after a showdown between the armies of Islam and Rome, which is meant to be taken as Christianity. So Islamics are full-on apocalyptic. It's not limited to Christianity and believers. It's mainstream now. Fatalism and apocalyptism is mainstream now, even as we're seeing in the secular realm. But it manifests differently. It manifests very differently. In fact, I'd say its manifestation is a lot more fatalistic because there is no hope, because there is no faith, because there is no charity with the unbeliever. Isaiah 13, 10, finishing up here. For the stars of the heaven and the constellations, therefore, shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. We see today people promoting antinatalism. You can't have children. Well, why would you want to have babies and bring babies into the world? Kill them. Kill them be here for much long because of the climate crisis. We only have a few months left. I love that you support the Green Deal, but it's not getting, you know, getting rid of fossil fuel is not going to solve the problem fast enough. A Swedish professor saying, you know, we can eat dead, dead people, but that's not fast enough. So I think your next uh, campaign slogan has to be this. We got to start eating babies. We don't have enough time. There's too much CO2. All of you, you're, you, you know, you're a pollutant. Too much CO2. We have to start now. Please, you are so great. I'm so happy that you're really supporting the Green Deal, but 
it's not enough you know even if we would bomb russia we still have too many people too much pollution so we have to get rid of the babies that's a big problem just stopping having babies is not enough we need to eat the babies and this is very serious please no, no, give no, a response okay, thank you no thank you thank you we'll go ahead um okay no we'll, we'll go ahead it's so no 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 yeah no thank you so i think um yeah no so one of the things that's very important to us is that we need to treat the climate crisis with the urgency that it does present. Um, luckily, we have more than a few months. We do need to hit net zero in several years. Um, but I think we all need to, to, to understand that there are a lot of solutions that we have. Um, Antinatalism, that's part of their apocalyptic anxiety. That's why Planned Parenthood gets all the fun. You don't want to, oh my goodness, don't you realize we've only got 12 years? They'll never make it through high school. Climate change. Antinatalism is part of their prophecy. That's why they fund and fund abortion. Wickedness, wickedness to the very core. Because they believe the world is such a horrible place. It's going to be destroyed in the near future when the sun melts Mother Earth and the seas become plastic oceans that suffocate us. This fate, of course, is unavoidable. Kill the babies. Kill the babies. This is their prophecy. This is their propaganda. And it is everywhere. Everywhere. And maybe some of you aren't in connection with the millennial generation, but this is their religion. They live for it. They shop for it. They won't shop in stores that don't adhere to their religious philosophy of paper and canvas. Paper straws canvas bags. That's the prophecy that they're peddling. And you know what? Big corporations are just too happy to get on board and fund their apocalyptic anxiety. They fall for it. It's terrible. And it is everywhere. Because like Esau, they sold their heritage and gained a world of anxiety in its place. Because the Bible tells us that children are a heritage of Yahweh and the fruit of the womb is his reward. In the Bible, the womb is the safest place for a child. In our world, it's the most dangerous place for a child. What happened? What happened that that is normal? That's an outrage. That's an abomination and despicable above all. We're seeing more apocalyptic fatalism within the left-wing secular society than we are with religious people. Than we are with religious people. At least when we're apocalyptic, it's based on biblical writings of fact, not fiction. 
Isaiah says in the 34th chapter in the 4th verse, And all the host of heaven shall be destroyed and dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth from the vine, as as a falling fig from the fig tree, for my sword shall be bathed in heaven. That's the kind of apocalyptic anxiety that I like, because that doesn't bring anxiety to me anymore. Whereas left-wing secular fundamental apocalyptism is based on anthropomorphizing Mother Earth. That is a mouthful of blah, 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 blah. But I kind of fluffed through it, didn't I? She caught me. But we're seeing this more and more with our young people. They want to move us into 200 square feet of sustainable eco-living and they'll sell it to you as a tiny home. But really, they want you to live in a shipping container. (laughs) But if you dress it up and put a planter on it and stick it on YouTube, you know what? Looks great. Revelation 6.5. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature saying, Go! And I saw, and behold, a black horse. And he sat thereon, had a balance in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the midst of the four living creatures, saying, A measure of wheat for a denarius, and three measures of barley for a denarius. And the oil and the wine hurt thou not. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Go! And I saw, and behold, a green horse. And he that sat upon him, his name was Death. And Hades followed with him. And there was given unto them authority over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with death and by the wild beasts of the earth. Don't get apocalyptic anxiety on me now. We're just getting started on the book of Revelation. Just when left-wing secular fundamental apocalyptism is taking off and becoming mainstream, the panic is on. The panic is on. And I look and I see this each and every day. And you know what? I sit back And I chuckle as I look out and I hear the words. This is all wrong. This is all wrong. I shouldn't shouldn't be up up here. here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. ocean. And we're all like, yeah, you should be. And if you were homeschooled, you wouldn't be there. But no, they most probably gave you a whole week off to come over here So we'd have to listen to your trollop on the TV for months. You all come to to us us young people people for hope. hope. How dare you? How dare you? It's a mass extinction. And that is their apocalypse anxiety and it cracks me up. (laughs) It cracks me up. I am so looking forward to getting into the book of Revelation. (laughs)
<laughs> and I just had to share that with you today because I needed a little comic relief after the three days that we have been delving into more serious things. But this is a very serious issue for people whose faith is paper straws and canvas bags. This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. You all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? Stolen my dreams, my childhood with your empty words. Yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering, people are dying, entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you pretend? and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. And change is coming. Right here, right here, right now. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. Right here, right here, right now. Right here, where we draw the line. Right here, right here, right here. 